0: we stand here as your people and we declare our allegiance to you. Lord, we cry out to you, God of nations, and we stand at your feet. But we can also enter boldly before the throne of grace and we can know your embrace. And so, Lord, as we approach these elections, Lord, we pray that you would show yourself God of this nation, that you would watch over our leaders, that you would guide us in the nation's van, preaching uh, uh, love and truth to man, working out Thy glorious plan. God, defend New Zealand. Defend this beautiful country, we pray. Lord, also we pray again with war in Israel. We cry out to you, Lord, to intervene. We pray for your merciful intervention, Lord. We ask for your blessings on all people in the region at this time. Lord, we ask that you would be near to those who are reeling from shock and grief. On a day that was meant for joy and celebration. Filled with mourning and loss, God, of comfort, we pray. Comfort your people. Almighty God, Yahweh Elohim, Sabahot, the God of heaven's armies, intervene. Protect uh, those of our whanau who are there at this time. Lord, your word says that you break the bow and you shatter the spear. Lord, we ask that you would bring peace and you would bring it quickly to the Middle East and to Israel at this time. God, we praise you we lift our eyes and realise that uh, as much as we look to be in control you are Lord and all that we are is yours we acknowledge you as Lord we thank you and we praise you in Jesus name, just thank him and glorify him where you are church hallelujah 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 Lord Oh, amen and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, look, grab a seat as you're sitting down. Just a hand of um, just appreciation for our team up here who have led us. and They've done a great job. Awesome, eh? Great time of um, praise and worship, wasn't it? Great. Hey, well, look, um, let's get into it. Look, not, not, uh, not long after I became a father, not long after Ruby was born, I went to watch a mate of mine. Play American football. He was playing for a team called the Hamilton Hawks. And uh, I was on the sideline and he wandered over to me. He was a man, a few words. He looked me in the eye, he looked at my shoes. He looked me in the eye, he looked at my shoes, and I thought, oh no, they're short and he wants me to play. <laughs> and uh, jo- uh, yeah, Joshua, if you could bring up that photo for us, please. There we are. It's an old one. But there I am with my mate. He would go on to play for the Iron Blacks. It's a little bit fuzzy, but if you look really close, You'll see the fear <laughs> in my eyes. Um, and you'll see I had to be kitted out. I've got the helmet. You can't quite see it there, but I've got thigh pads on. They gave me the wrong pads. I had receiver pads on. Rather, they put me in the defensive line. But nevertheless, I was kitted out because, um, you, you know, to go onto a field, you've got to be dressed, right? Yeah. True? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that I was any good, but <laughs> you've still got to dress properly. Going on to the field, so thank you. Bring up the next picture, if you would, please. As you know, some of you know I still play rugby, and uh, my son played rugby uh, also this year. And uh, one of the things again is that when you you go onto the rugby field, you've got to prepare for that specific context. And so let me just show you here, sort of some of my some of my stuff here. So one of the things you've got to do. So one of the things you have is your headgear. Right? Comes in handy, fits on over my, over my mic. And of course that, that helps, it doesn't help stop concussion or anything, but that helps lacerations and cuts and the like. Although it was just a little bit high for me in my last game of the season and I still got five stitches and had to get an x-ray for a skull fracture. But nevertheless, it should have worked. So you have headgear. Now this is at the inexpensive end of the spectrum, but they call this body armour. And so you wear this under your, under your um, jersey. And so you'll see it has a bit of padding around the shoulder to protect the shoulder for the collision and the collarbone, a little bit of there for the sternum. And so, again, that's something else uh, that you wear. Something else that comes in handy? Malka. To Don't think can tell us. So one of the things of the mouth guard, so helps to protect your teeth, helps to, you know, stop lacerations in your mouth, dislocated jaw, helps all that sort of thing. Um, Josiah actually got one, a uh, dentist fitted one before he went away that supposedly helps concussion, help, helps against concussion, you know. Um, now my dad playing back in the early 60s, back when men didn't wear mouth guards, <laughs> tackled the great Don Clark, who, who knows Don Clark, who's heard of Don Clark? One of our great All Blacks, Waikato legend, tackled Don Clark, got knocked out, got his teeth knocked out, wore a plate, loved telling the story. But that's why you wear mouth guard, another part of the protection. And then one of the the final things we have is you can't just go out there in your normal footwear. And so you go out with your boots. This is, um, who remembers rucking? It's a long time ago. Um, and so we used to change our sprigs out. So, on a, on a, on a, on a you know, sort of a dry day, you'd have your 12, 13 millimeters in. For a wet day, you'd take those out and put in your 19 millimeters, your long ones. And so, so of course, they just help you to, to grip and to, to set for a tackle, for driving in, for changing direction quickly. But, but again, you can imagine hey, I've seen guys try to play rugby uh, in tennis shoes and sports shoes, and they just slide everywhere. So, the idea is that if you want to play the game, You've got to kit yourself out properly, eh? Does that make sense? doesn't mean you're going to, you know, it means you're going to be at least prepared to be able to do all right on the field. You may see where I'm going with that. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And there we've got the Apostle Paul. So as I say, in, in the context of a collision sport, the way you dress helps you to stand. Helps you to be able to perform. Helps you to be able to contribute to the team. It means you're not sort of slipping and sliding and you can actually do something out there. The way you dress can help you to stand in a given context. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us, and we're going to be reading from Ephesians 6 verse 10, if you want to turn there, that, uh, that Christians are, are in a battle, a spiritual struggle. He uses very strong language. And that they need to be properly dressed in order to hold their part in the line of the assault, okay, so, uh, so that they're able to uh, withstand the attack of the enemy. And so Paul draws on military imagery, uh, likely from the Roman soldiers that he would have seen on his travels, around about the place, traveling around the Mediterranean world at that time, or even where he was, uh, imprisoned at this time, this is one of what was known as the prison epistles that he wrote while he was imprisoned, and say so he would have had guards that watched him. So we're going to read from Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10, and here's Paul writing, he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Stand, stand. Four times in this passage, stand. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. And the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. One of the things when you read Ephesians as an entire letter The themes that I pick up as I read through that letter is is the importance of our purity as Christians and the importance of our unity as Christians. And so when we come to Ephesians 6, this spiritual battle wants to corrupt our purity and wants to destroy our unity. So in order to resist that, you've got to be able to stand. Otherwise, we're going to let gossip get in and break up our... Relationships. We're going to let temptation come in and cry. So so Paul's going, no, no, you've got to stand. So Paul speaks of the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Each of these pieces of equipment identified with some divine gift or truth. And why is this armor given? And Pastor Sheridan spoke very clearly on this this morning. So that at the end of the day, we can withstand the strategies and the attacks of the evil one. So that when the smoke clears we will still be found standing. We'll still be standing. So scripture speaks of an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, Matthew tells us that Satan is the evil one. He's the enemy. He's the tempter. John writes in his revelation that he's the accuser of God's people. He tells us in his gospel, in John chapter eight, that the devil is the, the, is a liar and the father of lies. So everything he's about is to kill, steal, destroy. The people have gone. Now, we go to Genesis 3, and what do you see there? You see the serpent comes to Eve, and he sows doubt. Did God really say? He flat out lies. Oh, you won't die. That's what he does. He tempts, he sows doubt, he, he, he lies. Or, or think of Jesus. Think of Jesus. Uh, prior to his temptation, he's just been baptized. And, and I spoke about this on Father's Day, but uh, at the baptism of Jesus... The father comes out and speaks very clearly of his love uh, for, Je- for his son. He says, he says, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The father says that very clearly. He affirms him, he acknowledges him, he declares his love for him. But from there, Jesus goes into the desert and he meets, he, he's met with the tempter. And he, the tempter begins the conversation with, if you are the son of God, The message puts it, well, since you are the son of God, he starts to challenge him. Well, surely God wouldn't want you to suffer and go hungry. So use your power to turn these stones into bread. You don't need God. Use your own power. Be independent of him. Subtle. And Jesus had to draw on the word of God. He trusted God and he drew on the word of God. No, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he quotes the word of God. He stands on the word of God and he chooses to trust God rather than the tempter in that time. But that gives you, that's what the enemy does. Um, Pastor Tim Keller writes that this is Satan's main attack. If you think about it, God the Father has just assured, you are my son, I love you. And it's at that point that the enemy comes and attacks him. Oh, God's son. And he starts to attack him. And Pastor Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, that's Satan's main attack. Not only against Jesus, but against us as well. That's Satan's main military goal. He wants Jesus to lose the certainty, the assurance of God's full acceptance of his unconditional fatherly love. And it's the same for you and I. He wants you to lose the certainty of God's love for you. The assurance of God's full acceptance of you in Christ. God's unconditional fatherly love of you. He wants you to doubt that and lose that so Jesus resists the evil one he trusts God he, he 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 holds to the word of God he chooses to trust God and so what I want to do this evening I want to focus on one particular piece of armor and that's the shield of faith Joshua if you could bring that up for us thank you brother on the slide there and I've got it here in the English standard version and I like it because they translate that phrase in all circumstances so whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley whether things are going well or whether you're struggling. No matter what's going on, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, I reached out to a brother a while ago. I said, mate, I need a Roman shield. Would you be able to whip me up something? And he went overboard. That's awesome. Amazing, eh? So, when you, yeah, hey, hey, look, the average Roman legion, now, this is, this is, these are the dimensions of what was known as the scutum romanum, the Roman shield, approximately two and a half feet across, maybe four or so feet high, uh, layered wood. It would have leather calfskin uh, over the front. It would have iron across the top and the bottom, and it would be great for stopping volleys of arrows and the like. And the average legionary was about... Roman legionary was probably about five foot four, five foot five, so that's quite a lot of coverage, <laughs> as you can imagine. So, very good for stopping volleys of arrows, javelins, spears coming in. Now, Ephesians tells us well, what 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 Paul is telling us is to wield your faith like a shield. Use your faith like a shield. Your trust in God. Your, your trust in the faithful God wield it like a shield. And faith is really important throughout Ephesians. I need to get through this really quickly because this is heavy. <laughs> but if you read, uh, so in Ephesians 2, it's, faith is the means by which we're saved. So you've been saved by faith through grace. Not good works, none of us can boast. It's your faith by which you're saved. Um, and then in Ephesians 3, we read that, um, that it's by faith that Christ dwells in our hearts. Uh, we read that it's, it's by faith that we have access to God. In Ephesians 4, it's, it's uh, faith that binds us together in unity as God's children. So faith is a key, uh, is it, absolutely key in this spiritual battle. Yeah. Absolutely key. Um, I was reading about one uh, Roman centurion by the name of Marcus uh, Cassius Scavus, 48 BC, battle or the siege of Dyrrhachium and... Uh, being attacked, got wounded, fought on. And then when Caesar finally arrived, they found that, they, they counted that in the fort where he had uh, battled, over 30,000 arrows had been fired into that fort. And in his shield alone, there were over 200 wow. arrowheads, javelin heads and holes. Now, what would it have been like if he didn't have the shield? okay. Now, that's, that's just a, I mean, that's freaky enough as it is. But just to, just to think about the, the metaphor. Imagine if he didn't have the shield. And the enemy, again, with this military imagery, the, the, the enemy sends darts, arrows, spears against us. In the ancient world, sometimes these arrows would be lit. They'd be flaming, they'd be fiery, and they'd be sent against us. And, and note the picture. This isn't hand-to-hand combat. This is a, a projectile launched from a distance. It strikes us unexpectedly. It takes us unawares. So you know, you could just be sitting here in worship, and then wham! I don't know. Ashley's in on it. It's okay. It's okay. But you, you, so so the idea. Now we're coming back to this idea of the, of, of the fiery darts. I'm going to ask Ashley to come up. Give him a hand as he comes up. So. So now imagine these fiery darts. So we've got this idea of, of, uh, it could be temptations, it could be thoughts of doubt, it could be thoughts of anger or lust or revenge. But they, think about them, they come out of nowhere and they strike, okay? So Ashley's just facing you. Imagine he's just turned up to church, he's just worshiping, and then suddenly you're useless. You're useless. Bam, hits his mind, goes in. It was not bad, eh? I was pretty close, you know? Or just into his heart. No one cares about you. You don't matter. And just all these. Out of nowhere. No shield. Okay? He's in on on it. He's in on it. Think about it. Just as with Jesus in the desert, the enemy wants us to lose our certainty, the assurance of God's full acceptance. His unconditional fatherly love. And so he sends these fiery darts against us. Bang, 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 those thoughts. And think about it, when those flaming burning missiles come and they hit us, they can set minds and hearts ablaze, can't they? Burning with rage or suddenly aflame with lust or thoughts racing like wildfire with anxiety or fear or or, or our, our self esteem and our confidence burned up. But if you can wield your faith as a shield, you're useless. Try it again. You're useless. And loud voice. I'm not useless because Christ gave me strength. So, Come on! So now, not only the shield, but the sword. Okay, so not only the shield, the faith, the leaning into God. Now, hang on, hang on. No, no, God says that, that I'm okay. You know, no, no, I'm trusting God. And then you're wielding the sword of the throat. No, hang on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No one cares about you. You don't matter. Yeah, I do. Jesus died for me. There you go. Awesome. Give Ashley a hand. He's done really well. Just an illustration, but think about it. The thoughts that have hit us over the years that we've just let sink in. Think about it. You're useless. Yeah, I am. And we buy into it. And we buy into it. And we, we we take it on as truth. I like the Maori Bible puts it this way emoki te wield your faith. Wield your faith. Hei rākau, as a shield. So rather than talking about the shield of faith and we're focusing on the shield, no, no, your faith is the thing. Take your faith and wield it as a shield. <laughs> emoki te wield your faith. So it's my faith, it's my trust in God. That's the thing. That's the thing that I wield. Um, I like how, how this is what uh, Bible teacher John Stott encourages us. He says, faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression and faith lays hold of the power of God in times of temptation. So, so this, this, this whole idea Uh, we're looking to trust God and then we're wielding the sword. We're clinging to his words. We're trusting his words rather than these demonic words that are coming in. You know That's why we need the shield of faith, to lean into our confidence. uh, One of the books that I read as a young Christian was a book called Telling Yourself the Truth by Bacchus and Shapian. It was uh, based on an idea of misbelief therapy where we've grown up with these misbeliefs and lies and we cling to them. And they're just, they're, 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 we've been knocked about and they're lies we've picked up from our life. But also, they're just demonic lies and we take hold of them. And we actually need to f- trace them, face them, and then replace them with God's truth. Right. Like Ashley did. You're useless. No, I'm not useless. No, I can do all things through Christ. Right. You no, I can't run a 10 second, 100 meters, but I can do everything that I need to in life. And if I could, God will help me. You know, so you're, you're, you're telling yourself the truth as a, as, 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 part of the discipline of being a disciple of Christ. Yeah. Pastor Graham Wilson, uh, Pastor Graham Wilson was our associate pastor back at Eastside Apo back in the day. And one of his greatest gifts to the body, he was a counselor, great pastor, uh, is a great pastor over at Graceway in Hamilton. And he he, he talked about the concept of demon speak. And I remember talking to him one day and I said to him, oh, it's just I was grappling with something and I said, oh, but I just thought, you know, thought just came in my head. You know, if you were, if you were, if, if you were really a Christian, then you would have da, 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 da. And he looked at me and he said, that doesn't sound like something God would say. That sounds like something a demon would say. He said, God is straight up. God says, do this. Don't do that. Hey, that's what God, God doesn't manipulate you. God doesn't go, oh, if you really loved me, then you would, that's manipulative talk, eh? Hey? God says, show your love for me by your love for one another. Stop doing that, it'll kill you. Do this. See, God, straight up. And so, and so he differentiates between God speak. He, he would teach us to differentiate between God speak and demon speak. Between the lies and the truth of God as a discipline. Being able to take captive those thoughts as they come. And so that's why we need the shield of faith to lean into our confidence in God, our trust in our faithful God to quench those fiery arrows that are hurled against us. So when they come, when those thoughts come, oh, you're useless. Good one. Knew you wouldn't. You know you, you, you know that. You know the language. You know the stuff. So when those thoughts come, who are you gonna believe? The enemy, the demon speak, or take hold of the God speak. I remember walking past the room of my, one of my sons, he was seven years old at the time. I walked past uh, the room and I looked in and he was just sitting on his bed like this. I don't know if you can see me, but he was just sitting there with his head down, pensive, just, you know, playing with his fingers. Looked really, really lost, you know. I said, Hey, you all right? He goes, Oh, yeah. I said, oh, what's the matter? And he looked through, it. something had really got to him. And he said, oh, this eight year old girl at school, she said I was ugly. She said I looked weird. Uh, she said I was stupid, dumb, and I had no friends. And his eyebrows were furrowed, and then he just dropped his head again. And he said, oh, like this. And you could see the words had got in. Eight years old, but the words had got in, you know? Yeah. And I said to him, I said, hey, 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 look at me, look at me. So he looked up and I said, listen to me. I said, you're a beautiful boy. You're a good boy. You're a kind boy. You're a gracious boy. You're a a leader. You have a servant heart. You're my son. I love you. And then I said to him, now who knows you better? Me, your father, or this eight-year-old? He thought about it. Are you, Dad? I said, so who are you going to believe? Are you, dead? And we went and got ice cream, which is a very important part of the story. very important part of the story. Because you've got to have that kai that brings everything together at the end. Too. I saw a meme once that said, if we live by legalism and fear, our response is, oh, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. But the gospel, the good news of grace in Christ has us respond, oh no, I messed up. I need to call my dad. When the fiery darts of the enemy come, will we allow them to strike us and believe what the devil says? You know, think of Ashley just standing there and just, everything's just hitting him. There's no shield. Are we just gonna let those words sink in without resisting? Or will we wield our faith as a shield and trust what our heavenly Father says. Right. Right. Uh, Peter, Peter wrote to believers who are struggling with persecution. Thank you, uh, Joshua. If you would, thank you, mate. He says, "Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So, staying alert." Staying alert so you're not caught off guard. The devil is like a prowling lion looking for someone to swallow up completely. A prowling lion attacks suddenly, savagely. You're just going about your day. They're out of nowhere. Like those projectiles that come out of nowhere. Some of these early Christians that Peter was writing to, they would have seen the blood-soaked jaws of lions as part of that horrific spectacle in the Roman amphitheatres. It would have been a terrifying image for them. I remember uh, taking the kids to the zoo. Ruby was about four. Josiah was almost three. And we were looking at the lions. And have you ever done that thing where you just sort of zone out and you just steer off into space, you disappear, and then you come back to, you ever done that? Or is it just me? No? Okay, you have, yeah. So I zoned out. I zoned out, I'm like this. And then I come back, and I'm eyeballing this male lion and he's just looking at me. And I said, if he was walking, it would have been like this. He's like, hey, eh? like this. And he, he, sort of, he, he, he sort of flexed. He looked at me and then flexed and then pounced at me and roared. It was awesome. <laughs> Literally awe-inspiring. I couldn't do anything. Ruby freaked out and screamed next to me. I turned around. Josiah took off. <laughs> I probably should have followed him, but I was too scared. I'm guessing he ran to whoever mum was. And I stood there. And it just freaked me up. Um, I was absolutely frozen. But then I looked back at the great cat. And I realised that there was this wide moat and this large wall between us. And, and, and I was safe. The beast was powerful. Uh, but I was protected. I was shielded by the moat and the wall. And as scary as it was, I was safe. And so I sort of relaxed and I just sort of went, like this to me. <laughs> and walked off. And we went and got ice cream, which is an important part of the story. So, but if you think about that, we're called, Peter says, we're called to resist. So if we take Peter and we put him together with, with Paul's writing there, we're called to resist. We're called to resist the evil one. So the lies that he hurls, we're called to not buckle when those temptations come at us. So the resistance Peter calls for is a, is a standing firm in the faith. You know, actually standing firm, so you can, you know, you're ready. You're ready to resist. So, so you you like that, you know? Uh, John tells us that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. First John three eight. He says that, and so we must resist the attacks of the enemy. Be rock solid in our trust in the Lord. James writes in a parallel passage. Thank you, Josh. James writes, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So again, you submit to God, that's your faith, that's your trust. Yeah. You have faith in God. You wield his sword, the words of the Spirit. You're trusting your father's words rather than the words of this one who wants to destroy you and hates you. And that's the challenge, wielding our faith as a shield. And so the challenge for us this evening, when those dark thoughts come, and the buttons that you know that can be pushed for you, those weak spots. When the dark thoughts enter your mind, who will you believe? When you're tempted from the righteous path to embrace a false comforter that may bring Comfort for a moment, but then shame or guilt afterwards because you've actually gone down a path away from God. Who will you look to for your comfort? Resist the enemy. That's what you're doing when someone says you're useless. No, no. That's resisting. You can't do this. No, 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 you're resisting. Resist the enemy. Stand firm. Stand firm. Take cover behind your faith. Wield your faith. And trust in God. Because the danger for us as Christians isn't being helpless before the evil one because we have the armor of God. God is with us. He's for us. The shield of faith is there to to extinguish these fiery darts. No, rather the danger for us as Christians is that we won't resist. Is that you just stand there and you just let it. And then you'd be shaped by the words of the enemy the lies of the world rather than what our heavenly father says there's so much it's a wonderful image you know in ancient warfare for that thousand years after christ they would fight in the shield wall and guys would have their shields and you would lock shields and you were dependent on I'm fighting with my right hand. I'm, I'm exposed here. I'd need my right hand man to defend me. And you'd need. And I think for us as brothers and sisters, when we're struggling, we we need to lock shields. We need to protect one another. We, you know, th- when I'm down, then that's right. You you have faith, and you can help help me heal. And we can 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 help bring about an atmosphere of trust in God, where we can move back towards God rather than drifting away from Him. But I want to finish this evening by looking at a verse. From Psalm 28, a song of trust in the midst of lament and hard times. And uh, thank you, Joshua, if you bring that up for us. Thank you. The psalmist sings, and we're reading from verse 7 The Lord is my strength and my shield. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. The New Living Translation puts it The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. The Bible speaks of God as a shield. As we resist the enemy and we lean into God, clinging to Him and trust, trusting His words, we find that it's Him who's our shield. It's actually the relationship. It's God. He's the shield. Sheltering us when we're struggling. Defending us against accusations. He knows the truth. Declaring that you are his beloved child and he takes great joy in you. So the psalmist sings, my heart trusts him. I trust him with all my heart. God is for you. Amen. Amen. God is for you. You may not feel that, but that's the truth. So you walk in that. You walk in that. God is for you. So you resist temptation. You resist the lies. You resist the fiery attacks. You draw near to God and trust. And that's how you stand firm. That's how you stand firm. fun I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, it can be difficult to declare such confident words and mean it. We've been burned in life. We've been knocked around. We've been let down, so it can be hard to trust. But your word tells me that you are my strength and my shield. So I say today that I want to trust you with all my heart. Help this to be my truth, Lord. Help this to be my reality. I do trust you. Help me to trust you more. I know you help me. I choose to trust you in what you say this day. You love me and you are for me. Help me to resist the work of the enemy and to stand firm in the faith. Help me in all circumstances to wield my faith as a shield, a shield that can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one fired against me. Help us to hearken to you, to listen to you, to lean into you, to stay close to you, to trust you. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for living for us, for dying for us, for rising again for us, for your love and grace. Thank you, Spirit, for your leading and guiding, for your presence and power. Help us to live a life of faith closer to you, O Lord, my strength and my shield.